from scientific studies on the effects of barium and aluminum oxide, etc., etc. That's why, too, more and more people are being diagnosed in their 40s and even 50s with asthma for the first time. That never happened before. You generally got it at age of two after your first inoculations. So they're on a roll, you see, to depopulation big time. I've gone over the history of the sterilization agenda, which is underway. According to all the statistics, 85% sterile for males in the Western world. And I'm going to go into more of this because there's a lot out there after this break. Mr. Berlin, 
an estimate that could combine the two. In other words, the goal was always to try and merge the two together and then gradually eliminate the first one and leave you simply with positive freedom. We're all on planet ship Earth, like the Star Trek Enterprise. There's leaders there who are guiding us along, and they will manage society from birth to death. These are the same people and the same big bankers, by the way, and the Royal Institute of International Affairs was set up by the top bankers of the day. These are the same people who created and funded the Soviet Union into existence. They have funded every major war in the 20th century. And they're behind, they were even behind the Royal Institute of International Affairs, CFR, were advocating war with Vietnam. And then halfway through, they changed their mind and went against it. This is the sort of things that they play. The whole idea, you see, of communism is an ideal. That's why these, the same group has said, along with the United Nations, which is their big front organization, they have said that China is the model state for the world, where you have a totalitarian governmental system, a one-party system, who rely upon experts and scientists to rule the people, and they have one child per family. Uh, a second pregnancy is mandatory abortion. And there's more and more and more to it than that. It's a planned society. So that, exact, that is the, the ideal Fabian society. So we are all going into that now. We'll be under it for quite a while, in fact. It doesn't matter if they appear to be right-wing or left-wing that's in government. They simply set up the stage for the next income or in, in-house Congress to take over from the last one. So Mr. Bush came in. This plan was to be kicked up into high gear in the year 2001, and we had what had to happen to set it off. And since then, as they told us at the time, life would never be the same again. Mr. Bush set up the machinery for enforcement for many, many different areas of society, Children's aid going to SWAT teams now, etc., etc. That hand all over the planet at the same time. Massive planning, massive cooperation between the nations because we are already global. And then Mr. Obama comes in and pushes the next part of the agenda. They work together. Professor Carl Quigley, who's an advisor to the State Department and, other, and even at the U.S. military, because he knew the ethnic groups, he knew their psychologies for warfare. And he's the one who picked Bill Clinton to be a Rhodes Scholar and who was the historian himself for the CFR said that. He talked about that in his book, Tragedy and Hope, and the Anglo-American Establishment, his other main book. The world they're bringing in is a planned society where the public will be the last to know. They'll be guided along it in a sort of semi-confusion, but with lots of entertainment and distractions and crisis creation especially, Pavlovian style will be shocked into just going along, kind of numb after a while. And once you're used to rapid change and there's nothing normal anymore, the sky's the limit. They can keep ramming you through the next change and the next change and the next change. Now, Thomas Jefferson said that when you see an agenda continue between houses and changes of Congress, meaning parties, but the same, same agenda continuing, he says, know then that you are under tyranny. And all our lives, just like Carol Quigley said, a parallel government working inside government and outside of government have been guiding us along a world global path of 
basically Fabian socialism. Socialism was not for the working people, although it has groups out there championing, appearing to champion the workers. They must get them on board. And once they have them on board, they create a form of welfare state. They make you dependent on the state. That's the whole thing with giving power to the state. They make you dependent on them. And when you're dependent, they then come up with laws that regulate your life. That's why they always start with the unemployed for fingerprinting, for ID purposes, iris scans, smart cards with the chips, and so on. You cannot, cannot allow yourself to become under a welfare state. It's game over. And that's what they're bringing in right now. They planned it well. They always start a revolution when they've done all the groundwork, prepared the fields, they've plowed it, they've hired it, and so on. Then they plant it. Step by step, Fabian socialism. It's interesting that Mr. Obama brought in this compulsory volunteerism and I've said before, when you look at the money he's advocating to education for this project, that means that's going to, for ideological indoctrination, very, very dangerous. The same system that Hitler used, the same system that Lenin and Stalin used, all totalitarian regimes do the same. And then, by coincidence, by coincidence, it's up on the BBC that Mr. Brown, the Prime Minister of Britain, his plans to compel community work. Have they no originality? Of course they do. It's just that they're all in on the same agenda. Remember, I've read before about UNESCO and what it was founded to do at the United Nations to bring in a global culture working through the indoctrination of the youth. This is all part of it. 12th of April 2009, from the BBC, Prime Minister Gordon Brown has pledged to ensure every young person has done 50 hours of voluntary work by the time they are 19 years old. Always remember, always remember that that's a Fabian introduction, because once you accept that step by step, it's like a mouse going towards the trap. A little bit of cheese here, a little bit of cheese there, gets bigger and bigger, and boom, he's in the trap. That's the Fabian system. They treat us like animals, and unfortunately it works. And because that will be on the books, they'll go up to a year, or maybe six months to start with, and then a year, then two. Then the sky is the limit. It's the same with every law that's put on the books. Do you know there's been thousands and thousands and thousands of people arrested over the last year or so under anti-terrorism, but it had nothing to do with terrorism. They're using it for everything now. Everything. To get on the books and expand and expand. Mr. Brown said a promise to bring in compulsory community service would be a part of his next election manifestos. They love manifestos. Under the scheme, the work may include helping charities. Oh boy, they run all the charities too, the big boys, the big foundations. Eh? And it's likely to become part of the school curriculum. Ideological indoctrination. The scheme would be woven into plans to make everyone stay in education or training until the age of 18 by 2011. Mr. Brown told the News of the World newspaper, It is my ambition 
to create a Britain in which there's a clear expectation that all young people will undertake some service to their community and where community service will become a normal part of growing up in Britain. This is worldwide, this agenda. This is under UNESCO. Remember, part of the charter of the Royal Institute for International Affairs said at the very beginning that the world they will bring in gradually will be a world where you will be born to serve the world state. Serve, underline serve, the world state. And that's what's coming in, folks. And we're living through it. Believe it or not. I'll be back with more after this break. This is Cutting Through the Matrix. Reading an article from the BBC, what the Prime Minister has said about his, it's not his wonderful vision, you know, it's the, the boys he, he works for, and it's not the public. A world of service, remember, is what the Royal Institute for International Affairs and Consumer Foreign Relations want. The planned society, it will affect everything for, to procreation, and even if you can procreate or should have the right to do this, all wound up together in the planned society. Remember, the definition of a citizen is someone born into a system with pre-existing duties. So be very careful when you hear the term citizen. Mr. Brown told the news of the, of the world newspaper, it's my ambition to create a Britain which there's a clear expectation that all young people will undertake some service to the community, and where community service will become a normal part of growing up in Britain. Bush Sr. was the first one to publicly, as a president or a leader of a country, use this term, communitarianism. Going back to the Club of Rome, they said they looked at all the systems in the world. After all, their boys set up the Soviet Union and other totalitarian places and studied them. Great big laboratories. And they favored collectivism. Well, see, collectivism is communitarianism. It's the same thing. It says, clear accreditation. It says, and by doing so, the contributions of each of us will build a better society for all of us. For them, it will, yeah. The Prime Minister added, that would mean young people being expected to contribute at least 50 hours of community service by the time they've reached the age of 19. This will build on the platform provided by Citizenship classes, it's another big thing they brought into the schools. Citizenship classes, they're teaching you what a citizen is now, you say. That's standard and ideological training, because it's political. It's politically motivated. But because the greater part of what I envisage as community service takes place outside the day, school day, it will require the close involvement of local community organizations and charities, while the foundations owned by the bankers run these charities and organizations. That's the parallel governments. Mr. Brown said the work would also be linked to a clear system of accreditation so that young people would be able to mark their achievements gained through volunteering. In other words, you'll be either in or out. You better comply or else. Gordon Brown first proposed the idea of a national youth service to channel teenagers into voluntary work last year. It was 
due to be formally launched in September and would become compulsory if Labour was re-elected, which they were. Labour, of course, is socialism. And to be honest with you, so is conservatism. It's the same thing. There's an excellent movie put out by the BBC, I think it was. It was called Deep Cover. Deep Cover with Donald Pleasance. It goes through some of this during the Thatcher years where this character says, who should know, he says, when his daughter says, well, don't worry, Daddy, our lot's in now, meaning Thatcher's lot, the right wing. He says, are you sure? He says, are you sure? He knew darn well it was all the same side with the same agenda. There are no left and right. There's only elitists. And I've talked about optimum population trust before. I've gone through it. It's really a eugenics organization that fronts, again, for the foundations. Eugenics and depopulation has always been a mandate. Remember Sir Charles Galton Darwin in his book, The Next Million Years, where he bewailed the fact he couldn't just kill off openly the people. They'd have to do it by surreptitious means and covert methods. Otherwise, they'd outbreed those who were fittest to survive. And he went right into eugenics. He even talked about using the needle and different techniques or something in the food or the water. And by goodness, we have it. We've got it all. got it all here. And I've also said that the nature of programs, I noticed when I was small, there was one they used to repeat on the, the, the one station we had in Britain. It was, it was called Hanson Lottie Hass. They started off the deep sea diving in scuba. It was very exciting to live in a working class area and see these amazing tropical oceans and little islands and so on. But there was something about it that just went overboard. And, and of course, they were gradually, even back then, introducing us to the idea of man's impact. Too many people on the planet. And that's what all of the big nature programs are about. That's why there's been so many of them. And who runs the, one of the major ones? David Suzuki. David Suzuki, the eugenicist and geneticist. That's what he studied to be a geneticist, an elitist. And he runs the main ones for Canada. Every country's got their favorite. They all belong to the same organizations like World Wildlife Fund and Prince Philip at the head of it, the man who said openly there's too many people. And Britain, David Attenborough was the main character for all these wonderful, wonderful nature programs. And they take years in the Fabian style to get the audience with them, you see. And you like the guy against Fabian, get to like the guy, identify with him. And then once he's so popular and millions of people follow him, he's like a god to them when it comes to nature, etc. He brings in the real kicker why he's really there and why they've really done it. He's worked his whole life at this. Beautiful, beautiful Fabian strategy. The broadcaster, Sir David Attenborough, has become a patron of a group seeking to cut the growth in the human population. On joining the Optimum Population Trust, Sir David said growth in human numbers was frightening. Was frightening. To whom? Back with more after these messages. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth.
passing through the Matrix. Reading an article from the BBC about David Attenborough, who is now up there. He always was. He just, to say Fabian-wise, in the Fabian style, taken many years to get the following that he has, a whole lifetime, in fact. That's how they do it. That's deep cover, all right. And generations have grown up listening to this man, and lots of youngsters still do. He's like a little god to them, you see. Loves animals. Can't be that bad. And it says here, he's joined the, the Optimum Population Trust. It's a big foundation, you see, backed by the other big foundations that pretend to be philanthropists. And they fund hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of non-governmental organizations and give them full-time salaries and all the rest of it so that they can lobby governments. They're only too happy to hear what they have to say and implement laws along that line. That's how it really works. Government is a sham. So is philanthropy. Sister David has been increasingly vocal about the need to reduce the number of people on Earth to protect wildlife. You see, exactly what Prince Philip was on about, so on. A guy who never worked in his life. You can tell how wonderful his offspring are by the wonderful things they've done for the world. Now, this goes all the way back to Thomas Malthus, who was the first of the elite of Britain to voice concerns about the peasantry. He was a top economist for the British East India Company, owned by the crown and royalty and aristocracy, the first international corporation. And they had members in the United States as well, from the beginning, even before it was called the United States. Fatalai, who Yale was one of them, and he said, we'll set up this university to make sure that the leaders from here always guide this country along what we want it to be. But Malthus himself devised the poor houses. He said that poor people should be put into areas where it's very damp and, and bad for their health, very wet, swamplands, marshlands, build housing for them, and have them die off, give them poor food, malnourish them. That was a way to deal with them. He was also a man who dealt with the diets of slaves abroad in the plantations on behalf of the wealthy where they experimented with different minimalistic types of diets to find the best ones to keep them working, the too weak and tired to walk off or try to run away. And certainly when you're tired and you're worn down physically, your mind doesn't work work at a very good capacity either. You seem rather dull. So they make jokes about slaves too. It's a science, you see. Already a science. And... The British people and European peoples listened to their governments, and sure enough, down through the 50s and so on, people generally had one, maybe two children. Many parents decided not to have any. Then Margaret Thatcher got in, supposedly on behalf of the Conservatives, which is a big joke, and she opened the floodgates to immigration, mainly from India, first of all. And she, in the national papers, it said at the time, well, you see, we have to bring in millions of people because... There's not enough people in Britain and there's not enough children being born to pay off the national debt. So here you go, you see, if you try, if you believe anything they tell you, you can't win anyway. You do all the right things that they advise, 
and they hit you anyway. Therefore, millions come into the overcrowded cities or make them overcrowded. They don't make the cities bigger. And it appears to be massively overcrowded. This is a technique. Perception becomes reality to the people who live there. It says here, talking about the optimum population trust, the trust which accuses governments and green groups of observing a taboo on the topic, meaning they're not being vocal enough and saying, we've got to start killing people. That's what he's saying here. Say they are delighted to have Sir David as a patron. And I've had articles in the paper, this is the Ottoman Population Trust, saying they've got to start killing people and sterilizing people compulsorily. Sir David, one of the BBC's long-standing presenters, has been making documentaries on the natural world and conservation for more than half a century. Half a century. Conservation, think about it. A statement issued by the Optimum Population Trust, he is quoted as saying, I've never seen a problem that, I wouldn't be, that wouldn't be easier to solve with fewer people, or harder and ultimately impossible with more. Well, come on, David, you know, you're getting on in age. I mean, why don't you give us an example? You know where the cliffs are, don't you? None of these people, because of course they believe they have superior genes, remember. They truly, truly, truly believe this. They won't go first. The trust, which was founded in 91, campaigns for the UK population to decrease voluntarily by not less than 0.25% a year, which is nonsense. Look at the death rate with all the weird diseases we're getting now. Skyrocketing. And they are doing it by different means because the sperm count in the Western world is, I keep telling people, is down 85%. And those, that sperm that is still alive doesn't have the motility. And that was in the, the Disappearing Male documentary put out by CBC, well documented. It's on my website, the link in the archive section. So they're on a roll to do what they want to do. Planned, always planned. You see, you... If you're in power, if you already have an elite in power in the 17 and 1800s, they never intended to give it up. Power never gives itself up voluntarily. It doesn't say, okay, we've got democracy now. Let's all be friends and see what happens. No, it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that at all. They never give up power. They may try to give up the illusion of power. But it's well hidden. It's that although it's coming into the open again, they never gave up the power. And they plan in centuries ahead. That's what big international corporations do. They'll plan their investments 50, 70, 80 years ahead. The United Nations use the same techniques because they were set up by, by the Royal Institute for International Affairs. Ten-year plans to take the water over. Fifty-year plans to take the food supplies over. 2030 to drastically reduce the population. That's in their own think from their own think tanks. They always plan the future. Well, how do you think they're going to do all this with your cooperation? Even if you've got nothing but a entertainment all day long with a cell phone stuck to your ear and your text messaging and you're playing games or glued to the television set, how do you think they're going to do this? They'd love to have you all cooperate, wouldn't they? But mind you, 
it will be much easier shortly because with the mandatory volunteerism and the school mandatory indoctrination with, with political ideology, you're going to see children soon come forward voluntary asking for sterilization. Voluntarily, I should say. And that's coming. Now, I've got reports here on the food. There's nanotechnology in the food now itself and in your candies and everything else. But they never told the public till it's done. And the Food and Drug Administration, they say themselves, oh my goodness, we haven't tested this stuff. Do you really believe, do you really, really, really believe that they let disasters happen and then look into it? You see, they want you to believe in the accidental view of history. We just screw up here and there and deal with the problems once they arise. That's what they want you to believe, just like the crash that they that they created to bring the economy down, to bring up the IMF to world standards so that it will fulfill its proper role. It was designed to print money for the whole world. Your pills, your pills, this is from the Mail Online, 12th of April. Microchips and pills could soon be allowed doctors to find out whether a patient has taken their medication. It's already here. They have them. The digestible sensors just one millimeter wide would mean GPs as general practitioners and surgeons could monitor patients outside the hospital or surgery. It obviously means so can the cops and everyone else, right? Developers say the technology could be particularly useful for... See how they always, they always give you... They want to help the people, the poor, the sick, and the infirm. That's how they bring everything in. DARPA put a brain chip... And a guy keep telling us, we've never seen the guy, but they keep telling us he, he can send emails by just thinking about them. DARPA is not in the business of helping paraplegics look up what they're for. It's a military-industrial complex. Developers say the technology could be particularly useful for psychiatric or elderly patients who rely on a complicated regime of drugs and are at risk if they miss a dose or take it at the wrong time. It could also be used for the chronically ill, such as people with heart disease, to establish whether costly drugs are working or whether they are causing potentially dangerous side effects. Does that mean we're all just getting tested with this stuff? They could even remind women to take the pill if they forget. The intelligent medicine works by activating a harmless electric charge when drugs are digested by the stomach. Charge is picked up by a sensing patch on the patient's stomach or back, which records the date and time the pill is digested. It also measures heart rate, motion, and breathing patterns. Well, you see, they've been using this for the, for the, NAS, the, the NASA guys for years. They had their, their, their suits rigged with monitors and chips. But now they want you to eat it. The information is transmitted to a patient's mobile phone. <laughs> Privacy, right? And then to the internet using wireless technology to give a complete picture of their health and the impact of their drugs. Now, I've read articles in the past where they're now mandating drugs, psychiatric drugs, by court order from judges. You know that that's going to be the first thing they're going to be used this for. You get a chip as well when you get your sentence by the judge. You know, since they're already drugging 
a huge proportion of young males now to make sure they get shrunken brains and all those with leadership qualities are out of action. You know they're going to give them these chips. That's what it's about. They're not spread to all of the population. And they'll be that, like that THX movie where they'll know if you've missed your medication and they pull you in to make sure you take it. The information is transmitted to patients' mobile phone, blah, blah, blah. Doctors and carers can view this information on secure web pages. What's secure? But how on earth can we have secure web pages when supposedly someplace in China, supposedly, it could be the NSA for all we know, hacked into about 12 or 15 countries' government computers? That was in the paper about a week ago. And believe our governments are not using the cheap little free this night that we use or the ones that we buy. What chance would we have? We already have discrimination when it comes to getting insurance for people because their data and their health care now is, is all over the place. Oh, you're prone to this, you're prone to that. You can't get health care. You can't get insurance. But you know, it's, it's all to do with control. Control. Two major drug companies are investigating the technology developed by U.S.-based Proteus Biomedical, interesting name, tries to begin in the U.K. within 12 months. Now, this is nonsense because they've already tried it out. Whatever they announced to us, they've done a long time ago. Professor Nick Peters, a cardiologist at Imperial College London, who was coordinating trials, said the technology was transformative. No kidding. But interestingly, too, this company, Proteus, has also got the backing of the World Economic Forum. Why would the World Economic Forum that deals with the world and populations and the economy, etc., be backing Proteus Biomedical? You see, what I'm doing is telling you the bits you're supposed to think about for yourself, but few do. Because like Zygmunt Brzezinski told us in his book, Between Two Ages, shortly the public will be unable to reason for themselves. They'll only be able to parrot that news which they've heard on the previous day's television. And they will expect the media to do their reasoning for them. That has happened. That has happened. You've got to put two and two together for yourselves because the media is not there to tell you what to dwell upon or how to connect things. It's like socialism, communism. If you don't use the word communism, people will never associate socialism with communism. That's how bad it is today. There's also links to this at uh, Wise Up Journal which also gives you some more data about these particular chips and their silicone apparently little silicone wafers and they've got some sort of coating on them so they cannot be destroyed by the acids in your stomach there's a good series of movies put out I think it was called Fortress there was one and two and the actor was Lambert, I think his name was. They made the patient swallow this thing that attached themselves to their stomach. You could not get rid of it. It wouldn't pass through you. And they could punish you, give you incredible pain. 
by activating external devices. All this, all this is coming. All this is coming. Now, I saw an article in Canada and then one from New Zealand. The New Zealand one is called The Press. The press.co.nz, New Zealand. Aircraft may spot energy wasters. The Christchurch City Council says they may shame people. Shame. See, that's a big part of Pavlovian-type psychology and Skinner psychology. They're already shaming people into dropping litter by in shopping malls in Britain. When you come up on the massive Orwellian screen, yes, you, you down there, you, number so-and-so, pick up that trash. And everybody looks at it and you go, oh, my God, you're embarrassed. Shame. This is how we train. This is how we train like animals. Shame people into, into more energy-efficient ways by using an aircraft with infrared imaging to identify poorly insulated houses. This is all over the place, not just New Zealand. Because I saw the same article bust out across Canada and the States at the same time. The proposed aerial, th- because we're global, you see. Look at a global government already. A parallel government It's global. The serial thermal imaging map is part of an ambitious plan to slash Christchurch 1.6 billion annual energy bill and cut energy use by every city resident by 9%. When you roll out the scheme this winter. Isn't it wonderful to live in a, a wonderful, free and open democracy? Back with more after this break. Through the matrix, and by God, the time's flashing by here, and there's no real callers. So quickly, I'll take Steve from Colorado. Are you there, Steve? Uh, yes, I am, Alan. How are you? Not so bad. Yeah. Good. Uh, now, I've been listening to you for as long as I guess you've been on the, the air, mm-hmm. and uh, I've been, you know, looking into this, you know, as an individual for probably 30 years or better. Yeah. And I've come to this conclusion, um, and you know, th- you know, believe me, I'm a huge fan, so. Don't take this the wrong way. Yeah. But, you know, is there a better idea for uh, for running the world? I mean, you know, do you have another idea? There's many ways. This is the thing. They know this, too. You see, they did many studies in the 1800s, early 1900s. Uh, Lenin himself said, and he spoke on behalf of this world, this society. He said, um, mankind, humankind can go off in a thousand different directions. See, we're so limited, we don't think outside the box. He said, but they must be brought up to think that this is the only natural one there can be. And when you have been brought to think this is the only natural one can, can be, you're going, to think, you're going to accept every excuse and every direction they give you. Because we've never had the opportunity to look at different, different routes of society at all. There are many directions we can go off on. It's just that these boys, remember, have a hidden agenda. It's a, a utopia for them at the end. And as they start killing off the lesser people, they'll then start killing off their, their managerial class. They won't need them. They won't need massive bureaucracies over a population that doesn't exist. They really want a utopia where they fit under the Darwinian rules that they believe in 
they should live. And they've already decided, H.G. Wells said this, we have decided who the fittest already are. And he wrote that just after 1900. Okay. Now we'll go to Vince in Canada. Are you there, Vince? Are you there? Yes. Okay. I just heard a little little beep here. Um, I just wanted to um, express my opinion on something here. Um, it's written by Noam, Ch- or Noam Chomsky. Yeah. And it's a very old statement, but it's very important. It said that the control of, of opinion is the foundation of government. Yes. And to me, that's... That's pretty serious stuff there, because if I can't have my own thoughts, mm-hmm. what else do I have? That's right. They're, they're supplying you with everything that they have decided you are supposed to know. Yeah. yeah so like, Which what, eliminates what, 99% of stuff that you're not supposed to know. <laughs> so like, what's the, the main ways that they do that? It is through your training initially at school. You get it from your parents, because they were indoctrinated through the same system. They, they think nothing's wrong. It's the accidental view of history they're given. And uh, 50 years ago, all the public were suspicious of media. They knew that the lords and the barons owned it. They, know that they knew they were private. They, they knew they had spins and agendas. Today, that's been what cleared out of them. That they have been trained that somehow the media is an essential part of, of the government. They're not. They're still privately owned. But they certainly are an arm of government. Absolutely. And the... It's no coincidence from 400, 500 TV stations, you get exactly the same news and nothing outside of it. But thanks for calling. And there's John from Ontario very quickly. You there, John? I guess that's the end of the show. I can actually hear the music coming in, so I don't even get John. Phone in the next time, John, tomorrow, and I'll talk to you then. So from Hamish and myself from Ontario, Canada... It's good night, and may your God or your gods go with you.